coming to you live from the Crawford residence in Los Angeles, California. It's the Ten Point Podcast. My name is Bruce, and my dick is good. My private investigator, I call him Dick. And he has found me a couple of co-hosts for the episode this week. First, it's a thing, it does stuff. It's Chris. Yeah, right. And secondly, even a broken clock is right twice a podcast. It's Andy. Yeah, I am. <laughs> uh, we are the Ten Point Podcast. You can find us wherever you listen to your podcasts, all your podcast apps. Type in Ten Point Podcast, and you'll get us there. Please rate and review us in whatever fashion that app desires. You do it and download us. You can get us on a Monday. Is when we usually come out. That's our weekly episode. Then you can also. Find us on YouTube. Normally you can watch us on YouTube. Last week's episode, we had technical issues we did not know until after we'd recorded. And we'll be damned if we're doing another podcast, <laughs> repeating everything again. So you got we're the audio version wonder. on YouTube this week. <laughs> yes. Uh, the audio version was on YouTube this week. But normally, and hopefully, touch wood, this week's episode will be on YouTube for everybody to see as well. Uh, all of your 10-point podcast needs, you can find at 10pointpodcast.com, where... The cinemas are getting ramped up. There's going to be even more stuff going there. I am in the middle of writing my big thing on the Saw movies. So that's coming up soon. It might even be on there by the time you watch or hear this episode. So that will hopefully get posted there once Andy talks me through how it actually works. But Andy, <laughs> anything else people can expect to find at 10pointpodcast.com this week? Uh, what am I going to say? Uh, oh, <laughs> The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. That'll be going off. Ah, I've got, I've oh, got an unlimited nice. screening of that bad boy. So that should be up by this, even this episode coming out as well. Uh, and I think the Quiet Place 2 ones just went up. The, uh, the Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, I have seen an unlimited amount of trailers for that film because I've been <laughs> to the cinema quite a lot this week. <laughs> so I, that one is on all the time, that one there. And to carry on with that trend, what have we been watching this week? Uh, Andy, why don't you start off then? Since you, you, I think the big one I only watched was uh, Quiet Place 2. Went and watched that. Not worth a year's find... wait. No. <laughs> it was It was all right. My favourite thing was John Kaczynski, but if you've seen the first one, you kind of know he's not in the second one that much. And uh, the worst thing in that film was Emily Blunt. Um, fucking animal. How dare you? <laughs> I wouldn't say she was the worst thing in it, but the, the absolute best thing of the new one is the first 20 minutes. Aye. Uh, and that's when and John Kaczynski's in it. <laughs> exactly. John Kaczynski, like, his, he's like decided, ah, I've thought this really good idea. Uh, I wish I'd done it in the first film, but I'll do it in the second film instead. Uh, and I feel like, yeah, I think it was probably better than anything in the first film, that, the whole first sequence, which I... Uh, I guess, small spoiler, but it is the very beginning of the film, is day one. The, the first film was dated like day 50 and then day 300 or something like that. But mm. we start on day one in the second one. And yeah, day one is the best bit of all the quiet places. <laughs> uh, I would say. I'm not sure. I mean, Emily Blunt didn't annoy me too much, but what did annoy me, and it's been a trend throughout both films, is stupid kids doing the exact thing they're told not to do, and it winds me up so much. <laughs> and there's several kids in these films, and they all are determined to do the exact thing they're told not to do, usually with bad consequences. Uh, but yeah, the first one's better, and you, like you say, I can see why they kept it, because they wanted it to be a big screen kind of film. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and but I'm still, it's one of them films, they, they don't work in a cinema, especially when you just got Bellens eating popcorn as quietly. It's <laughs> like, the, uh, it's like, shut I up, had, we're going to die here. I, I had a bag of sweets, and as the film was started, I went to have a sweet, and it made quite a large rustling noise, and I thought, oh, damn. So I was like, when the, like, the studios play at the thing, I just shoved my hand at the bag of sweets, yanked out, and sat with a handful of sweets, so I didn't make any noise for the, the, like, the first half of the film. <laughs> Uh, any other films this week? Nah, the weather's been too good again, so it's been too hot, so I've been doing shit outside. Well, uh, well, I did The Quiet Place. I did a double bill when I went to see The Quiet Place. I saw that and then went to watch uh, the third Conjuring movie straight afterwards, um, which is where someone was talking, and that's where I, I want to have a venting <laughs> here. Like, it's been a year or whatever since the <laughs> cinemas were open, and this person... Who, luckily, I was at the very back and they were quite in the front. They waited an entire year and I must have been like, yes, finally, I can go back to the cinema and talk through a film. <laughs> I've not had it so long to be able to ruin people's experience. And this, honestly, was a woman. And let's say, I, I could hear that she was talking, but it wasn't disturbing me enough. Uh, but someone further down definitely went Shh, at some point to them. But she must have talked for the entire first half of the film. And then in The Conjuring, you get those bits where someone's hiding, everything goes quiet, and it's like, just waiting for someone to jump out. And the only bit that I heard her say was that was happening, it's all quiet. And she goes, oh, just get on with it. She just shouts out. <laughs> 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 it amused me. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking the same. 
but still it was like oh my god i can't but all this time to talk to your friends on the phone and over skype and all that sort of stuff and now you talk to them during a film um third conjuring movie big thumbs down from me i don't know if you've seen it yet andy Did i liked it? it i thought it, it's nowhere near as good as the first two so oh no it's two... not i like the story though but yeah they drag it, it out a bit it feels like too I'm much of a departure uh, yeah i recommend the first one chris the first one's really good uh, the second one is slightly it's hurt very by English accent. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the third one, I, it felt like I don't know. It felt like an episode of like Supernatural or the X Files. Like this new one. It, it, it kind of rather than a conjuring, it, it's a big departure from the others. Uh, I finally saw Spiral, but I won't go too deep into that. It's not that great. And the last time I saw this week, I thought this is the one I didn't know much about. I thought, right, I'm going to go see this. Those who wish me dead. It's called. I uh, watched that. Angela, I... You see that oh, one? Yeah. Aye. Angelina Jolie is a smoke jumper, looking totally out of place up in yep. like, the woods somewhere, looking like some glamorous actor from Los Angeles with a preposterous looking wig on. I don't know why she had this haircut <laughs> that she had the entire time. It's actually all right, but it pro- properly wastes what could have been like a good bad guy team. They had the like Home Alone style baddies of uh, Aidan Gillen and Nicholas Holt uh, from like the X Men movies, whatever you would call them, from. Uh, Mad Max, as the kind of two hitmen who are exceptionally good at their job until they're not exceptionally good at their job, which <laughs> happens in all these kind of films. But it's an okay. I wouldn't give it a massive run out to the cinema and see it. But if it's sort of bored for an action movie on a like Amazon on a, a kind of Friday night, those who wish me dead is okay. <laughs> Again, another half annoying kid in that as well. Uh, but yeah, I was, I was at cinema a lot this week. I finally able to go, so I was quite oh, excited. On, uh, on the cinema train as well. I must uh, thank our local cinema for fucking up again. Still not having ice cream in. But now we've got a ton of vouchers to use when ice creams do come back. Because we, we, we complain, so we've got like 20 quid's worth of vouchers to use. Is it COVID-related, the fact they can't have like open... No, nah, they're just cream? cunts. Ah, right. <laughs> okay, say that on the voucher. Our one seems to have not bothered to bring any staff back, so they have about three staff checking tickets at the door, and then they have one guy doing all the popcorn and stuff like that, so he's like, ah, oh, fuck the ice cream, I'm not going over there. Yeah. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I didn't have any trouble at the uh, the cinema with the, anything like that. But yeah, one person talking annoyed me. But it's The Conjuring was quite full, although the screens were quite empty that I was in. The Conjuring seemed like the popular one that, that I was at. Uh, Chris, did you go to the cinema or did you watch anything at home this week? Uh, neither, actually. I watched half of the, the Damned United <laughs> because it was on TV. That's about it. I've only ever seen it once, quite, I quite liked it, the Damned United. I liked, I liked it, yeah. I was trying to get the wee man to sleep. Uh, that was on, so I watched half of that and then... Fucked off upstairs to my bed. He <laughs> fell asleep. I did. <laughs> uh, so that, that was my week of movies. There you go. Not, uh, well, I think uh, I certainly made up for uh, talking about every film that came out this week. Uh, Nobody is next for me, I think. The, uh, that's a banger. Yes. Yeah. Have you seen it? Aye. I've seen it, yeah. That, that's it, the next one I'm going to go see. It is like better than... Uh, is it better? Aye, I'm going to say it's better. It's better than the first John Wick. Right, okay. It looks very John Wicky, so yeah, yeah, that's why I'm going. That's good. I'm excited for that, and that'll be the next one I watch. Don't know if it'll be next week or not, but it'll be soon. Uh, we better get on with it then. Uh, what is the point of the podcast this week? And the point this week is the 2007 crime drama thriller Fracture, brought to us by New Line Cinema, who we hit a quite a lot, as in they've brought us Mortal Kombat, Six Slickers, Semi-Pro Vacation, and the entire Blade trilogy were all made by New Line Cinema. So we've gone back to them for Fracture. And Castle Rock Entertainment, who are also involved with City Slickers. A film written by Daniel Pine and Glenn... Glenn Gers? Unless it's Glenn Gers, which is, is quite a, a humorous surname uh, for us Scots. Uh, Glenn Gers, Fracture is comfortably the biggest and best thing he's ever written or been involved in. I can't find anything of any note. But Daniel Pine wrote 29 episodes of Miami Vice, the original Don Johnson one from the 80s. I also wrote Doc Hollywood, Any Given Sunday, a film called Where's Marlowe that came up as being quite a popular film I've never heard of. Some of All Fears, The Manchurian Candidate from 2004, and then Fracture was the last biggest thing that he wrote. So quite a few sort of thrillers in there seems to be what his expertise are. Uh, Fracture, directed by Gregory Hoblet, not Gregory Hobbit, <laughs> but Hoblet. I thought it was Hobbit when I said yeah. pop-up. <laughs> the way the words kind of drifted in the credits. <laughs> well, like that. Uh, director of 14 episodes of Hill Street Blues, but a massive producer on that and a producer on MIPD Blue. He directed Fracture, it seemed to be the last biggest thing he directed, but he also directed the film Primal Fear, which I noted down as one of my uh, movies within movies. 
movies later on because it reminded me so much of Primal Fear, and then at the end I found that he directed that as well, which is why it reminds me of it. Primal is that the Fear, one with Edward Norton? That's Edward Norton, yeah. I, I have seen it, yeah, years ago. It, it's pretty good. It was on my list for the podcast, but now that Chris has seen it, I might not pick it now, uh, because oh. it is a, a massive <laughs> twist-dependent movie. Like You need to not Love know what happens at the end for to be enjoyable. Um, the film stars Anthony Hopkins. You may have heard of him. Uh, he won the Oscar for Best Actor in The Father uh, in 2021, the year of recording here. But his famous roles that I've listed down here, he was in The Elephant Man, Silence of the Lambs, Remains of the Day, Amistad, The Mask of Zorro, The World's Fastest Indian came up as one of the why he's famous. <laughs> I remember that film coming out, but I don't remember it being too big. Uh, that was all before Fracture, but since Fracture... He was in the Thor trilogy, playing Odin and Hitchcock, as well as a few other things nominated for awards here and there. Uh, Anthony Hopkins is pretty much Hannibal Lecter. Does anybody else have any fond things uh, outside of Anthony Hopkins? Nah, it's Thor Hannibal now. He's Odin's son. Yeah. Well, Odin, not yeah. Odin's son. Odin. Odin, <laughs> son of whoever he was the son of. Uh, yeah, pretty much that's going to be his late career character. I think essentially he's done now, isn't he? He's written out the Thor movies going forward, so I would believe. Well, it's a bit uh, of a cameo or something, yeah. I don't know shop in a flashback but uh yeah uh, and of course all those are films none of which is his uh, the- theatrical stuff he's always in the theater back in the day being in shakespeare this and all that so a uh, very famous actor several time oscar winner i think he uh, if my memory serves he won the oscar for best actor in silence of the lambs and he was on the screen for about 15 minutes in the film or something like that so i don't know if it's the world record or whatever but uh big time actor and the best of British why Chris picked this film, I imagine. Uh, co-starring with him, Ryan Gosling. Uh, he was in The Notebook before Fracture, but this is quite early on in his career. The big films he made afterwards, Blue Valentine, Drive, Crazy Stupid Love, The Big Short, The Nice Guys, La La Land, Blade Runner 2049, and First Man. Uh, Nothing. Ryan Gosling. The Nice shite. Guys. The Nice Guys, yeah. He's just uh, shit. When he turns up, you know what you're in for a bad time. One of the films I went to... I don't, to the, been to the cinema to see him in much, but I went to see Gangster Squad, which is kind of kind of mafia-looking movie thing with an all-star cast, and it was the most average movie with the best lineup of actors <laughs> in our life. So I'm off of this. Not seen much of the Ryan Gosling, and most of the films I have seen of his, I'm very eh, I'm very meh about. Like First Man, I, I didn't even get through it, and that was like the last biggest <laughs> movie I saw he was in. Uh, but Chris, any words on Ryan Gosling, or are you? No, the the nice guys that him and um, Col- eh, not Colin Farrell. What the fuck's he called? Russell Crowe. Russell Crowe. Yeah, I think it's a great film. Never seen that one, but it is on. It's been on my Netflix to watch list for. A it is a good film, now. but he's still the shittest thing in it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Uh, Fracture, made on a budget of about $10 million. That was quite hard to find. I think a $10 million budget. Opened in the US for $11 million on its first weekend. Final US gross, $39 million. Final worldwide gross, $92 million. So if the budget is to be believed, it made nine times its budget back uh, in its cinema run and probably not too bad in DVD sales thereafter. Released 20th April 2007. Since we're running out of years, because we covered them all, we have, of course, covered this year in terms of award season before, so I will hit the big ones. And Fracture was not nominated at the Oscars or the NTV Movie Awards or the Razzies. Uh, Best Picture that year at the Oscars, No Country for Old Men. Best Movie that year, or as I say, the year before, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Dead Man's Chest. And the Razzies' Worst Picture, I Know Who Killed Me. And for reference, that's a thriller starring Lindsay Lohan, apparently. Uh, which pretty much says all you need to know about it, I would have said. However, Fracture did get three nominations in its history. It was nominated at the Teen Choice Awards for Choice Movie Actor in the Horror Thriller category for Ryan Gosling, and he lost to Shia LaBeouf in Disturbia. Ah, that's Uh, a film. There you go. There's there's your review there. (laughs) Uh, Fracture was also nominated World Soundtrack Awards. Soundtrack Composer of the Year, Michael Dana. Uh, this was also with, because he also did the soundtrack for Little Miss Sunshine, Breach, and Nativity Story all that year. But he lost to Alexander de Platt for The Queen and Painted Veil. Well, spoiler uh, alert, he's on my low points in this film. For <laughs> <Okay. laughs> old Michael. Well, he didn't win, so he's got, he's got that going for him. However, it did win an award. It won at the SOCAN Awards, which seems to be the Southern, Southern California something or other awards. It won the Domestic Feature Film Award. So uh, it did win something. And it sounds like a house. Yeah. (laughs) Best film in a house. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) 
Uh, which it certainly was. So, you know. uh, but there you go. So an award-winning film. They can put that on the DVD if they want to. Uh, back to the film itself. I've got a synopsis. And, and Claudio from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, has made a happy oh, return. He oh, no, this is where you went silent last time, though. Claudio right? fucks you, okay. I think. Right about now, I think. Right. <laughs> okay, so maybe it's, maybe I should do it in Brazilian, and maybe you can lip sync me again. <laughs> uh, right, so Claudio pre- presents this uh, synopsis for the world for the film Fracture. In Los Angeles, the structural engineer, which is the first I actually found out what his job was, not at any point to tell you what he did. It just was he's in an office. There's planes. So yeah. the structural engineer Ted Crawford witnesses his wife Jennifer Crawford and her lover Lieutenant Robert Rob Nunnally in the swimming pool. I thought of it was hotel. Donnelly. <laughs> no, it was with an N. Because I thought yeah, he'd stumbled over his words at the beginning. No, no, no it's Nunnally, uh, beginning with an N. Uh, when Jennifer comes back home, he shoots her on the head and he shoots three times against <laughs> the windows. The gardener, Shiro, calls the police and the negotiator, Rob, who does not know the last name of his lover, gets the murder weapon and a confession from Ted. Meanwhile, the young and efficient but arrogant prosecutor, Willie Beecham, is resigning his position in the low-pay public service work to join the private civil law firm, Wooten Sims, but decides to accept the case, which is his assessment is easily resolved. Which is his assessment is easily resolved. Yep. <laughs> Ted asks the judge to represent himself in court, and Willie accepts. But sooner, Willie learns that the evidence cannot be accepted in the trial, and despite knowing that Ted is the killer, the murder weapon is missing and he needs to get new evidence. Otherwise, he will lose the case and Ted will be a free man. There you are. Very eloquently put by Claudio. <laughs> That's what the film is about. Chris, you selected it. Why don't you give us a quick, brief mention of why you selected it? Well, I had a few films in mind from a final Best of British theme. But like you said, when, I, when Anthony Hopkins like had won the Best Actor Award this year, I was like, it made perfect sense to use him in uh, one of his films. And I'd seen Fracture like ages ago and I couldn't remember much of it. So I remember it being like a, a decent film. So that's why I picked it. I see. Uh, I'd never seen it before. This was my first, actual first ever notice of it. I don't think I'd ever heard of this film before ever at any point. So this was the first I'd heard of it when Chris picked it last week. What about you, Andy? Oh, I've seen it on Sky. <laughs> oh, it's a Sky movie. <laughs> right, okay. This was a Sky premiere movie back in the day. Sky premiere. Did you watch it on a Friday night at 8 o'clock? Was it that Probably, yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, there we go. So, two had seen it, one hadn't. Uh, on to the high points, point number two. Chris, you can run through the first couple of high points, if you fancy. Uh, well, the fact that Ted just flat out admits that he's shot his wife and said, and you kind of watch this going, this is a fairly open shot case. You've seen him shoot her. <laughs> and then I just think it's great how all the pieces of evidence just start unraveling. And you're like, I thought I could tell how they did it. Like, he coerced the guy to, oh, just beat the shit out of me. And then lied to, well, not lied to say that, yeah, I was scared and they can't use that evidence. And they just, the way, like, you just set everything up. It does have a banger of a setup, this film. Because yeah. re- realistically, after the first 20 minutes, the film should be over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, ah, I'm all right. I know what's happening now. I don't need the rest of this film. So, yeah, it, it doesn't. No, perfect. Sorry, on you go. Because it doesn't hang around. So, I'll agree with you on that one. Mm. The very, very start, yeah. going back to my hating starts, was a bit shit. It was so long and didn't actually set up anything. The scene here was just annoyed me. I must admit, this is the first porking scene I think we've started with. Point the award for next season, best porking scene. I had the attempted murder was my the attempted murder uh, was my first scene. I think that's get, a question. Think he actually meant to kill her, or he actually meant to attempt to kill her? That's I think he tried to kill her and accidentally yeah. didn't. And because then right. I think the whole thing would have been sorted, would it not? If like he'd have gotten away with it? Yeah, I because think. it was ultimately the bullet yeah. fucked him in the end. Yeah, but then no. back then, if he'd killed her, they would have found the bullet, and it would have been from Nanali's gun. Yeah. Like, oh, from your gun, so uh, which I think was what he was going for, because because then be like, oh yeah, you can shoot shot her yeah. because it was his, yeah. not yours. But uh, yeah, we'll get to the gun later, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, the next high point I've got is that the kind of the first court scene. So not they're not in court yeah. yet. It's just the, the arraignment. Is that what they call it? The one where he's behind the bar the entire time. <laughs> 
which I've never seen in a film before. Is that a thing they do where they have like essentially he's behind the counter over there? A conveyor belt of criminals walking in there. Because every other film I've seen it, they've always just been standing where they normally would stand in the yeah. court. It's a really good scene. And then, of course, Ryan Gosling and his tux waiting to go to his big dinner. Uh, and what I've got, a uh, spoiler for the nominations, for the best line of the entire film. Uh, I respect your attempt to maintain the dignity of, dignity of the court, 007. Uh, <laughs> from Xander Berkeley, who is an absolute turns up and everything kind of guy like yep. he's john connor's stepdad in terminator yeah. 2 and then he's got a great cv if you look at his uh, imdb page some of the things he's been in and i thought oh he's going to be the judge for the oh no he's not going to be the judge uh, uh we'll get to the judge in a wee bit as well but um yeah that first scene some of the, the lines go backwards forward, and then you, even you say about the murder it's like he's carrying out the murder but why is he doing it so blatantly you get into this scene it's like the entire time you know he's up to something like he wants uh, Beecham to be the uh, the prosecution and all that, and it's, the way that him and uh, Gosling play off each other is quite good in that scene. Aye, there's a good like chemistry between them too. I thought, yeah. And um, in that same scene where the guy's going, I, I want, I don't want anybody to represent me, and then just to talk to the guy going, well, as your lawyer, you're not my lawyer. Keep up. <laughs> and then the guy just drifts off. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh, well, screw you. It is, it is basically your cla- classic Anthony Hopkins. It's like your Anthony Hopkins two minutes in a film. Like immediately for my movies and movies, the first thing, well, Silence of the Lambs already, like <laughs> already this film. Yeah. That's my next point. Is like the roles of this is what he's born to play. Like, he could have just been a sequel to Hannibal Lecter. He just could have been an alter ego of his. He just <laughs> him plays defending so himself. And you just waiting for him to like lunge at somebody and bite their face off. You get the feeling it's like, oh, we've written this great idea, and I can, I'm really imagining someone like Anthony Hopkins in this role. It's like, oh, we've got Anthony Hopkins. What? All right, brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I just think that would happen. Uh, Andy, any high points? So far, you're stealing them all. Uh, yeah. I don't know what else I like. <laughs> this, is pro- high points? <laughs> well, no, this, this is the problem. This is the problem. It's like more. I, I love I love to start it. I love that bit. And then after that, I really kind of it bottoms out for me. It 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 stride too early on for me in this film. Uh, my next one is the first official court scene where he's just sitting there doodling, and they're all kind of watching him going, "Aye, now's the time you'd want to object." No, nah, <laughs> I'm all right. on, fine. On you go. Yeah. And then he just kind of sits out of nowhere and goes, "Objection!" And yeah. Like, oh, something's happening here. <laughs> And then he's, uh, he's, and he's explaining like, a fucking... It's good to be a lawyer. Like, <laughs> like, you might want to object to it like, every so often. Oh, and at the end, he's like, oh, I see you've learned. You Was it over the long weekend you've learned some lawyering or whatever the word is? But, uh, yeah. So that revelation of him, the cop, he's been fucked his wife and everybody's just like, oh, bombshell. And then it comes to your, um, your opening, you can't beat a classic dick joke. <laughs> yeah. yeah. My dick. And it's like... That, that is the <laughs> one laugh out loud moment of the film. <laughs> and he's just talking, my dick has evidence. You're like, holy oh, shit, what? <laughs> and then, my dick is good. Because in the context of the sentence, you think, oh, well, there's some adultery going on here. <laughs> That's maybe what he's talking about. And he's like, oh, my, my, my private investigator. Ah. <laughs> uh, Andy, did you come up with a high point there? I feel like you were. No, that was my next high point. <laughs> the dick. <laughs> Do you want to get one more before anybody else steals one? Go, I don't know. I, like, I really just don't know. I like it, this film. It just comes to when you guys talk about it, and I'm like, yeah, that, that's a good point. Okay, my next one then. My next one is like the, the interview before the court. We've kind of gone past this. Where he's I like, the, and Ryan I like the scene behind me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I think that could be it. I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The one is behind you. Where it, the one with the, where he's, Ryan Gosling is trying to be like, oh, yeah, you're, you can't get out of this. You're going down. And he goes, oh, they found the gun. Yeah. <laughs> and it has to be like... <laughs> No, they haven't done that. And then him telling the, the story of the egg. I thought, not necessarily the, the, the best and most interesting thing, but it worked in terms of the context of the film and Anthony Hopkins told it very well. Um, but actually, again, a trend with, I think, with the exception of the murder, all the high points I have is Hopkins versus Gosling. Every single one of them is the two of them. Um, uh, that's me for a while, Chris, unless you've got another high point. <laughs> uh, no, my next one's right at the very end. Yeah, the gotcha. Like, at the end. Yeah. When Will finally pieces it together and Ted just finally gets caught because he's literally a ball hair away from getting away with everything. <laughs> well, he's got his packed at the door. <laughs> exactly. He's hat on and he leaves. That's it, I think. <laughs> and then he's just like spilling beans going, yeah, sure, sure, right fucking here. There's nothing you can do about it because you can't do anything because of double jeopardy. And then they're just like, well, actually, if that was for attempted murder, you just murdered somebody. 
away you go. <laughs> or don't, not away you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Stay here. Uh, yeah, the, 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 the final coming together scene is always good in this mm. kind of film when the, the, the good guy pieces it together. Um, I didn't want him I'm to win, that. though. I wanted Anthony Hopkins to get away with it. I felt like he was in these rights to win. It is one of these films where they position somebody as like, oh, when you first see the film, oh, he's getting cheated on, he's the good guy, and it's like, oh, well, actually, he full-on tried to kill her, <laughs> so he might be the bad guy, and it's like, oh, you kind of feel okay, uh, and it does swing backwards and forwards, and I feel by the end, they've kind of convinced me. Nah, I, I was still Anthony Hopkins. Ryan Gosling, I can never like, so... And then you team him up, team him up with uh, Season 1's Worst Actress Award. It's like, it's a recipe for hate. Uh, I don't have it as a high point or a low no. point, but I'll, I'll mention no, it briefly in passing. Rosamund Pike, from the first scene where she sees Ryan Gosling and looks like she absolutely wants to devour Ryan Gosling, it's it's some there's some energy on screen when she does that. Like I don't know what it is. Like she has something going for her when her face and the way she acts in the first scene is just like, okay, you want to just like just do whatever you want with that guy. And it's like it has a certain electricity about it. I'll say that. Uh, but yes, the, the the our podcast favorite. Uh, don't worry, she's fight. getting a renomination. She might have won Best Actress of season two, but she's gone back in the sin bin. I reckon. Well, she's a. She's, I think she's the only person ever to to do a Rosamund, which is to get best and worst uh, actor or actress. <laughs> she could be on for us. Uh, I've never before thing worst again. A hat trick. Uh, we'll have to like find her and see a film, a film with her in season four, just so we can get a, a we I don't know like a game going with her. She's definitely the most picked person, and we've not even talked about her in high points. That's how well she is in this film. Yeah. We well, it's not that she's a bad actress. It's just my point. No, she is. No. Aye, in the low points. Right, well, anyway, before we get to low points, I've got, they're not high points or low points, but there's questions I have, and we don't really have a question section anymore, so two questions. One, in Hollywood has trained me to believe, and the question is, are lawyers and detectives celebrities in America? As in, does the newspaper write about all these law? Oh, I know what people buy our newspaper for, to find out what this detective is doing, or what Aye. this lawyer is doing. Because Hollywood has taught me that anytime anything happens in someone's private life, whether they're in the police or a lawyer, it's in the papers and they've got to worry about it. And all the news coverage is always covering every murder and everything that ever happens in terms of that. So, yeah, I've watched a lot of these um, murder mysteries. That's exactly what happens. And it's like, <laughs> is that the case? Like, I don't know. I could not tell you one famous police person in the entire country. I know we're in, we're in the UK. I know where Chris's brain is just thinking, no, Chris, don't say it. Keep your trap shut. <laughs> I can't remember his name. But, yeah. But uh, yeah, so that's and the other question, which I feel like I thought this is surely going to get mentioned, but it never did in the entire film. What was the symbolism with him having that ball machine thing that's behind me at the moment? Like, it has to signify something. He's got a master plan. Everything just works perfectly, except for when it keeps breaking. Well, except for when yeah, Ryan Gosling bent it. So right, okay. So it's the fact that he always has all the moving parts and he always knows what's yep. going to happen. He's in control of everything. Is Until Ryan Gosling bends a bit and he's got to bend it back and he fucks it. See, yeah. I was going to bring this up later on and on this pointless object for my award. I, for some reason, I think it's the Mandela effect. I thought that thing was used to hide a piece of evidence. I thought one of the bullets that he used to shoot her was hidden mm. inside of it and that's why the ball drops and that's how he got found out. But... I must be thinking of a completely different film. Chris is making a new film. <laughs> yeah, I, I always, always thought that he'd hidden the bullet inside the thing, which is why it breaks. I see. Yeah, I, I felt like it was going that way at one point. Chris, you may want to turn off and turn back on your camera. There he is. I noticed it was loaded or something. <laughs> see the point, uh, point yeah. just looking up. Uh, yeah, I felt like it was going to be important. Like, like say there was going to be like a, a bullet instead of a ball stuck in it somewhere or another. Because, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of attention paid to it. But, and, of course, they never actually mentioned what they were called. At some point, somebody would say, oh, it's a blah, blah, blah machine. But no. So it's still just a random ball machine is what I've got written down. <laughs> um, anyway, on a low points. Neither of those things were low points. So just to request I'll, I'll take on. Yeah, yeah you, you start, Andy. Right. Yeah. I hated the music. the music. The random music. It just, it was fucking awful. Like, building tension. And it's just like... It's like, why is it so loud? <laughs> There's one part, one part of one bit of music in this film. I can't quite describe it, and it's going it's to matter to a very small amount of people. But one of the bits of music in this film has the same part of it. It's the same as one of the bits of music in Call of Duty uh, Warzone, because <laughs> it happened in my headphones, and I wear the same headphones when I'm playing that. And I was like, 
the hell? I've like, somehow turned on the game at this, when I was watching the film. But no, it's like a kind of low kind of bassy noise. And it, yeah, it's the exact same piece of music. Yeah. So, I don't know if it's like a, a free, like, <laughs> I don't know, copyright free bit of music they could use. But yeah. It just, it's just a, such a weird soundtrack. Like, just when they're walking along and it just plays the loudest, weirdest music ever. And it just does not fit with the film. I just, it's like the. Just got yeah, a guy I, I went, agree with that. The music was probably one of the worst parts of the film for me. It didn't jump out at me, but this film, feeling-wise, felt like it came out about 10 years earlier than it did. Like It feels like a mid-90s film yeah. rather than a mid-2000s film. Uh, and that's just kind of the, the ambience I got of it. Anyway, was, was that. Uh, uh, any other low points, Andy? Uh, yeah, uh, Rosamund Pike being a sexual predator. I know you guys love that, but what <laughs> the hell. No, keep it in your pants, woman. I mean, like it was something else. Like when he first walked into that room, I was like, she was thinking nothing else from the minute he walked in. Uh, she she yeah, just belongs on a space station like... on Mars. That's where she belongs, right there. <laughs> That's why she got locked away. As she was a sexual predator to Ryan Gosling. But I feel like that whole story was just unnecessary. Like nothing yep. against her performance. Like I said, she was yeah. all right. It just didn't make sense. And it was, she was just his boss for two days before she started banging. You could have just like left her as the boss. It literally was taking out of this film. No, it's like he he never even got the job. He was still working for the other company, which they could have just left him working for the other company, being this big shot, egotistical little twat, and (laughs) going, "Oh yeah, I'll take this case. It's going to be one of my final cases before I get hired." That's where they could have just left the story, rather than having him flip over to going, "Oh, this is where I am going to work, and I'm going to bang Rosamund Pike a couple of times." Anytime, I've done some thinking on this. Anytime that storyline comes up, it derails the film, and you're like, "Just get me back to Anthony Hopkins. I want to know what he's up to, like what he's planning, how he's going to get out of this." And as I was thinking about it, I think the only reason that the whole law firm storyline even exists in the film is to tell us Brian Gosling isn't a shit lawyer. And we we know in this film he's failing to this guy defending himself, who you know did the murder. And I think the only reason is that like, look. He's really good. This big company wants him, so it's really hard. Because if you take that storyline out, it's just like, why can he not beat this guy? And why? Because personally, which takes me on to my next low point, from the absolute beginning, I got the gun switcheroo thing. Like, straight away, the first time they put two guns down, and then you walk away, and then as... um, Nunnally's running over to the dead body. He's got a gun in his hand again, and I'm like, "Why has yeah. he got a gun in his hand again?" And then, like straight afterwards, I'm like, "They say switched the guns." And I thought immediately, I thought he'd just gone when he was distracted and got the other gun and then swapped them ah. over. But I, from the, pretty much the scene afterwards, I knew Nunnally had walked out of there with the murder weapon. And watching the entire film, think like waiting for that to be eliminated as an idea like oh maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm wrong and it happens all the way and you get to about 10 minutes before the end of the film and it's like oh, i've swapped these phones <laughs> over by mistake you're like oh god i knew it was that the entire so it makes you look even stupider and an even worse lawyer after all that. <laughs> yeah, that, the whole on you andy my other like really worst point is uh the, the cop when they decide all right i'm going to plant a gun and they plant it in the lawnmower then they never actually yeah (laughs) this is my problem right so he does that and what i was waiting for all the way through the film when i first watched this is like right he's done that anthony hopkins has found it and it's going to be a double twist at the end when he's like oh blah 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 it's like yeah but you planted a gun like that's i think that's what fracture two is about that's how he gets out of court again (laughs) because police police and a lawyer planting evidence at his house yeah I could point. It could be like, hey, look, they, they, they stuck it in my lawnmower for some and reason. And that's, that's what uh, I was waiting for, that last bit. Uh, one of my low points was actually the first one I had written down. Uh, Nunnally and everything around him. The actor is pretty bad. He, he <laughs> seems to have the same emotion, whether he's blissfully living don't, in a don't, hotel. Don't do that. Like, he ended up in Twilight. Twilight actor. <laughs> 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 there you go. I'm not a Twilight guy. Uh... But his, he's a really terrible policeman. He then, like, I thought there was something weird coming on with him being dead in the, the courthouse as well. No, he just killed yeah, himself. Like, maybe Anthony Hopkins just went like that, bang, took yeah. the gun away. He's like, oh, <laughs> he just shot himself. What That's like, exactly. I was like, how has he managed that? But fair enough. But no, and he, the fact that he put a gun to his temple and killed himself, that was weird as well. Like, <laughs> no. And I think with a better actor, it might have been a better role. Poor Twilight but, actors. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I thought because it's quite everyone's pretty good in it. Like you've slagged Rosamund Pike. I thought she was pretty good. What she was there for, 
David Strathair not getting used uh, at all, he'd have been a better person uh, than anyone for it. But um, yeah, just finding someone quite good to be that character uh, would have been a far better idea, I think. Uh, I've got two small low points to finish off for me. The really mean doctor for no reason being really mean to Grant Gosling. He's just asking questions about the woman in the coal man. She's like, nope, you're stupid. It's like that. No, you're an idiot. It's like that. It's like, oh, I'm just asking. I'm just dying here. And the last one is... I'm going to have to question. I asked, is Crawford meant to be Irish? But I think it clearly ah, yes. was yeah. meant to be. That's that the it goes from Welsh yeah. to fucking American, to Irish, to a little bit of Scottish. <laughs> it'll go over the bit. Anthony Hopkins, very good actor. He emotes very well in this <laughs> film. I believe what he's doing and what he's thinking. I do not believe that he's Irish <laughs> at any point. That's why I went for Best of British, because he does them all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's my last little point, is how badly a very good actor tries to be Irish in this film. Mine's is not really a low point. It's more like, I don't get it. Like, if Ted was going to use the whole um, swapping guns plan, why did you just, like, pump her full of bullets? I mean, instead of just using one, her living, and it's just going bang, bang, bang. Oh, no, the cop did it. Why did he shoot out the window? To scare them away, <laughs> is my guess. I don't know, but he does it so many times. It just, I just it's like, he would have got away with it if she actually died on the spot. I still, I still don't know for why. Was it just to keep people outside the house? Yeah, I think so. Maybe. It's like, yeah, it seems really weird in retrospect when I shot the window. Because one bullet would be harder to deal with, like, easier to deal with than four or whatever it was. So, uh, Any other low points? Uh, no, uh, that's, oh, yeah, opera. Like, I can't think of anything worse to sit through. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, th- I thought it was uh, the woman from, what do you call her? Uh, Fifth Element again. I had to go oh, check yeah. that. It wasn't. <laughs> Uh, if that's the final low point, Andy, you saved up a few other ones? No, you? that's fair, you've covered them all. You better move on to stats, then. And I thought I heard a shit. Chris says that. You did. I only counted three. It could be more, but there weren't too many, because they saved a lot of their swears for being the big ones. Uh, mm. But before we move on to that, Andy, you keep an ear out and an eye out for shits as well. Did you hear or see any? Aye, when she got shot, she shot herself. Yeah, <laughs> that was there. It was on film, on picture. Someone mentioned that happened. Uh, Classic. <laughs> Undeniable. I can't really talk about it. That's uh, my yeah. segment right there. Done. There you go, done. It was the, the, I was expecting to see that. I could smell the blood of this shit. I was like, oh, yeah, they actually went there. <laughs> yeah. uh, like I said, they, they saved up a lot of the other swearing. There were 11 other swears. It was quite a few F-bombs at one point uh, after another, after another. People get very angry. I think it was Nunnally actually began to get a bit angry, a lot of swearing, but not too high on the old swears. Explosions, zero, not one, uh, and deaths, two, uh, the two major ones that we've already discussed. There was only deaths, and also that leads into there wasn't a dead animal for the first time in God knows how long. <laughs> uh, no animals were killed in the watching of this film. Unless uh, a bird just happened to fly past the window as he shot through it. Yeah, well, they, <laughs> potentially. <laughs> that was funny. Could be a dead bird. That's, that's good point. Poor bird, yes. Sick um, bastard. I, uh, I counted fractures, because this film was called Fracture. Um, at the beginning, he presents an x-ray of a plane, I think, which looks yeah. like it has a crack in it, so I'm assuming that's a fracture. Uh, the window, there were three shots, they all fractured the window one, day, one way or another. Uh, each of the people who died, their skulls were fractured, and he sent them, He sent Ryan Gosling a broken egg, which had a fracture all the way around it. So I counted seven fractures in the film. They definitely fracture. came up with the title after they made the film and went, what the fuck do we call this film? Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm assuming the fracture in his marriage would be another one. I would assume. I don't know. Ooh, but, uh, yeah, but, but you're right. Uh, fractures. That's how many there were. And yeah, it's it seems like a, oh, we've got a catchy name. We've managed to copyright the word fracture. Let's call it this <laughs> film fracture. Uh, kind of feels like how it went. Uh, 18 minutes until Ryan Gosling shows up. He is the main character after that point. It's, and that's it's right when the film could have ended as well. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's an 18 minute short of how Andrew O'Connor killed his wife for an adultery uh, uh, film. And did they say the thing? Did they say fracture in this film? Maybe it's like spoiler there. Oh, they didn't actually. No, nah. they didn't. Not, not point was fracture ever said in the film. Uh, any other stats? Chris, normally you have something. Uh, yeah. Really asked, how many times did I say fine? And uh, I, I was going to go through the whole film and count every time he said fine. He only says it four times, I think. <laughs> and that one little scene. See, fine. And um, <laughs> I only thought of this like 20 minutes before we started shooting this. You remember that internet f- uh, craze where people were trying to make Ryan Gosling eat food through the t- TV screen? <laughs> he eats. Uh, oh, you don't remember it? 
Ah, well. He eats three times in the film. Ah. There's a thing where he, like somebody's trying to put like a spoon in the screen. Yeah, like that. And you move, yeah. He's like, oh, I do remember it. Okay. I don't know. Three times in the film. <laughs> I see. Thank you, Chris. Yeah, some good stats there. I thought that was a good one. You fucking ruined it, Bruce. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know what you're talking Bruce doesn't about. watch films or internet. <laughs> He's not trying to complete it like yeah. me and you, Chris. Yeah, I know. Right. Point five. I'm ready for this one, Chris. So ten point podcast uh, quiz. Is oh, fuck this five. one. I, I pretty much know exactly every one of his questions, but I ain't going to be able to answer it accurately enough for him. You'll know what he's talking about, but you won't know the answer. Guarante- <laughs> guaranteed one of these is what's on his t-shirt. I, I've got a feeling. Oh, right. I can't remember that. Oh, that, would be, that would have been a good one. All right. Good I really trust the name of this, by the way. I called it Fracture Fiction. Oh, oh God. Nice. Oh, right. We'd get a jingle to come after that. <laughs> uh, by the way, it's got nothing to do with the film. Uh, I'm going to say how a bodily part was broken. Oh God! These are true stories, and I want you to guess what part of the I'm talking about. Okay. Penis. No. <laughs> I thought you could fracture so, your penis, can you? Um, let me start with yes, Andy. Penis. A pea slide. A pea slide. Yeah. So what am I meant to say? If that's a fracture, what, what, what partly bod? What part of the body do you think got broken during a pea slide? A pea slide. What's a pea slide? I've missed that one as well. I'll explain but... it. Don't worry. Right. Okay. Uh, your leg. Good, yes. While we're at a festival, a lady went to go for a sneaky pee behind a bush and slipped in more pee down a hill and broke her leg in three places. <laughs> you get it now? We're trolling this depth together. Okay? <laughs> yeah. So, Bruce, uh-huh. a sneeze. Uh, it broke something. Um, yep. uh, nose. Wrong. A rib. But it was a, a massive sneeze. The guy cracked a rib. <laughs> That's a proper sneeze. Yeah. I thought someone might have sneezed and then hit something was what my thinking was. Uh, that, that was one of the other ones, but I picked a rib because I thought nobody would get it. So, Andy, changing a light bulb. Coccyx. Nope. Um, this person stood in a pile of books which toppled and as they fell, they hit their arm on the chest of drawers and they broke it and it needed two surgeries, and it's still apart in metals and plates and screws and stuff, so they absolutely shattered it by changing a light bulb. It's shattered so what? Decided, I live in this building or house, and I won't bother standing on a chair. I'll yeah. make a pile of books. And, <laughs> yep. and it inevitably just toppled and they practically annihilated <laughs> uh, So, Bruce, a plastic bag. Broke something. Uh, so we've had leg, we've had arm, we've had... Right. Well, I will say some bits reappear more than once. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, arm again. No. Uh, leg. <laughs> they went to, uh, well, sorry, their foot. They went to stand in the back to stop it flying away in the wind and they fractured their foot. <laughs> uh, Andy, making toast. Coccyx. <laughs> it's actually. Yes! <laughs> they, um, when the toaster popped, they got a fright, they fell back. <laughs> And broke their coccyx. some scary ass toast. This Nintendo wire. Oh, see, uh, you've kind of stepped on where I was going with my gag for this. Uh, yeah, no. I thought I thought I thought I was going to get appearance in one of these. Yeah. Well, I'll go foot because that'll be, it'll segue to our story and nothing else. Um. Wrong. Uh, they broke their right arm <laughs> when they tripped over a Nintendo 64 wire. Like the day they got the cast off, the guy was uh, or the person was jumping on the couch to couch, and they broke their arm. Doesn't it, does uh, an Xbox Connect come up in this list? At any point? No, no. Right, uh, I've got missed opportunity. <laughs> Don't worry, there's a good one at the end. Right. Um, Andy, pocket change. Back. No, um, while on a fairground ride, uh, this, which was one that like, spun you like 360 loop or something like that, in the first loop, all the loose chains flew out of their pocket and smacked them in their face with fracturing their nose and chipping their front teeth. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, well, the last one, Bruce, a stupid uncle. <laughs> right, okay. Uh, stupid uncle. Let's say, let's say arm. Correct. 
Um, I legitimately and accidentally, I must say, fractured my niece's arm uh, <laughs> when she was about six or seven, like I had her on her shoulders. <laughs> Uh, she oh dropped God. a toy, so I automatically bent down to pick it up, and she flipped forward and fractured her arm. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, um, I think Andy absolutely dominated you in that game. He did. I I did. Think my guess is, I would have got all but one of Andy's right, and I only got one right of my questions. <laughs> so, I think uh, I, I, Andy's I guess, sneakily maybe winning these questions. This yeah, comeback king somehow. <laughs> After we giving up victories early on, early doors. Uh, thank you, Chris. Thank you for fra- fract and fi- fract or fiction. Fracture fiction. Fracture, Fracture fiction. fiction. It should, actually, it should be fract or non-fiction. Because fiction, eh, it doesn't matter. It's, it okay. it's yeah. never coming back. Anyway, thank you. No. <laughs> well, yeah, a bit tough one to bring back. Point six on the podcast. Movies within movies. Uh, we all have our various categories we hit here. For me, parodies, references, homages, etc. Very difficult one for me. Uh, Silence of the Lambs jumped straight out at me. Primal Fear, which I found it was the same director. Zodiac, for some reason, just I don't know, jumped out at me. And then Star Wars, because they mention that Beecham has turned to the dark side. And James Bond. Uh, and, yeah, also, James Bond. I thought I'd written that down. Apparently I did not written that down. Yes, James Bond as well. Other than that, everything that ever takes part in a courtroom, uh, this kind of feels like yeah. as well, whether it be Trial of Chicago 7 or anything I've seen more recent than that. Uh, Chris, movies within movies. Um, unless you dived like, a lot deeper again than I did, uh, the only person that returns is Rosamund Pike, who has That's now appeared, <laughs> like Andy says, in season one, two, and now three. She's a so, podcast favourite now. Yeah, no, she's Doom and Gone Girl. I think she's alright. Uh, there's a few people I thought might have been like, oh, I kind of know his face, and I, I went through nah, nobody else by any. The, the cop friend, the guy that's in Die Hard Four. I thought he had appeared in something yeah. else, but yeah, actually, I like, a little fact for you, he's also appeared in another film called uh, Fracture. Ah, it's a completely different film that's set in uh, New Zealand, I think. You think he thought this was a sequel <laughs> or a remake? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, oh. Like as for putting us into the film, Andy is like obviously Anthony Hopkins' character. Yeah, um, that's fine. <laughs> myself as Ryan Gosling to reignite the me versus Andy dynamic yeah I did that as well uh, <laughs> it was a little bit trickier but I settled with uh, Le Bruto for you the, and the, the Ryan Gosling's boss in the first law firm ah okay <laughs> right okay oh yeah I'll keep it as a judge for you actually David <laughs> uh, I, I went a different direction I've, I cast myself as Nunnally because I feel like I genuinely could have done a better job in that role, and I thought I could, I could have given that job, that, that that role a go here, and I could have done pretty well. Hey, I'll still even you shooting yourself off. Thought of him. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, I'll take David Strathairn's uh, job if you like. Uh, yeah, and I had you two the same, so yeah, we're we're on the same wavelength there. Andy, movies are in movies. Right. So picture yourself working at a high class law firm, banging Ben Affleck, but then you want to piss Ben Affleck off, so you kind of disappear for a while uh, and you go to Mars for no apparent reason. <laughs> With your brother. With your brother, uh, who suspiciously looks like a bit like Carl Urban. And then you come back to find out that the person you've been banging all along at the law firm is utterly shite, can't even do his job, and then you decide you have to go back with Ben Affleck. So there you go, full circle in three films. There you go. That's the that's the Temple Podcast trilogy of Rosamund Pike. <laughs> uh, nailed it. Uh, sticking with Andy, point seven is his hypotheticals. Right. <laughs> you can all see where this is going. If your significant other <laughs> basically screwed somebody else, how would you get back your version of getting back at somebody? I can't shoot her in the face now. No, you got to do something <laughs> different. You can't right. if you want. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Your own little, aha, I'll get you back, and this is how I've got you back, not Anthony Hopkins style. I, mean, I think Anthony Hopkins probably thought about it longer than the time <laughs> we have here. Um, that's another thing. Like I meant to ask this earlier. Surely he had a police-issue gun, because he's a policeman. So did mm. Anthony Hopkins have to get himself a police gun? Yeah, you can buy police guns in America. Because they even look similar. That's another reason why I thought you switched them. Because they look, when they're in yeah. that scene where they're putting them down, they look like they had the same kind of gun. Um, Chris trying to work out his murder here. I haven't got a fucking clue. I have no idea. This is dangerous because I'm on video here, and if anything happens, it could possibly be similar. <laughs> 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 I, 
I feel like this is. Uh, yeah. Let no, me no, help no, you. I've thought about this. Something happens. We incriminate ourselves. Right. Let, let, yeah. I've thought about this. Let me let me show you how, what yeah, I would yeah, do. Okay, go. Right. So what I would do would basically be home alone. So I would booby trap the house for when she came back. And then it would just be a continuous thing around the house, like paint can to the head, hot, <laughs> hot, hot head. knob, <laughs> yeah. stepping on Christmas tree so just, lights. Uh, a bit of GBH. And then just all, all of that. And then when, by the time like, you get into the living room, I'm just sitting there going, yep, I know what you did. Like <laughs> <laughs> out through all that again. <laughs> That'd be my way of getting back. <laughs> if that was my Anthony Hopkins oh. film, that's what I would do. That's the, that's the kind of lines. But a little bit of fun, light-hearted. <laughs> I mean, I've watched so many Saw movies in the last few while, so I'm thinking of some weird stuff here. <laughs> if, like, hypothetically, if Nicola bangs somebody, then you go bang somebody as well. Oh. Tip for tat. <laughs> That's what... It's going to be like, the same thing of, like, like so she's, like, she's got to walk in, you got to kind of, like, have a great plan. So she could be there just randomly banging somebody, Chris. <laughs> I don't know, beat the shit out of the person they're banging? Unless it's a girl, then join in, I don't know. <laughs> I think we should move on now. Yeah, uh, I, I, just get I ourselves some here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd lock her in a cellar, pretending to be dead on the floor. Is what I would do. It puts um, a loss, lotion on the skin. Handcuff her to a railing and give her a soft <laughs> thing. So I'll do that. Or yeah, I'll go side of the lab. Otherwise, I'll get the hose again. <laughs> right, he anyway, totally beard through his nose. <laughs> well, Chris recovers. We'll move on here. Uh, <laughs> Murderous desires and, and otherwise. <laughs> uh, point eight is the nominations for the Pointy Awards. They are coming up soon, quick and fast. The Pointy Awards panel is working hard, compiling all the nominations. <laughs> so, from Fracture, nominations that I have brought forward. Uh, most unexpected person to show up, Harry Potter's aunt, as a judge. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I was expecting. Aunt Petunia. Uh, best costume, his tux, just because I quite enjoyed that scene. The best line, the uh, I respect your attempts to maintain the dignity of the court. 007 was a good line. Best plan, well, the movie's plot, really, Anthony Hopkins' plan from the get-go was a belter. He nearly got away with it. I don't think it was too much of his fault that he didn't get away with it. Um, but a good plan, nonetheless. Uh, Michael Pena Award, uh, the egg story, him telling the wee tale of the, the eggs and smashing them all up. Well, not particularly interesting. It was a good telling. <laughs> Uh, worst actor, Billy Burke. That's the name of the guy who played Nunnally. I thought he was dreadful. Worst accent, the new one I was made up, but it might come into the point of this award, Anthony Hopkins' Irish accent. <laughs> Best inanimate object. Chris may dispute it, but I've got the ball machine that does stuff. Uh, as <laughs> called it in the film. I kept uh, breaking. It doesn't work. I thought it was awesome. I want one of them. I'd love to have one of them in the living room. <laughs> yeah. uh, worst cop. Both of the detectives. They were both <laughs> terrible. Uh, the worst twist. I saw the gun swap coming a mile off, so it was a pretty bad twist. The best scene was him at the end saying, I got you, and this is, we're going to do you for murder now and all that. Worst supporting character, I'll go Nunley again. Most underused, David Strathairn uh, as the, the head of the district attorneys. He's a very good actor, and I, very, I like him and everything he's in. He's in other Godzilla movies as well, which is uh, dear to my heart. Uh, and then, most obvious name, Mr. and Mrs. Smith. <laughs> I thought they picked the most obvious name. And the best villain, Anthony Hopkins, question mark. Is he the villain? If he is, I want him nominated for best villain. Uh, Anybody else got anything I'm not covered? Because I for this film. Worst, worst actress for Roseman Pike. God awful. She was just a sex pest. <laughs> uh, worst plan. Telling your entire plan to a cop. Oh, a, a lawyer with a bunch of cops outside. Stupid plan. Uh, and then also another stupid okay, plan. He almost got away with that. It wasn't for the fact that he, she actually died. Yeah, I, he didn't kill her. But still, <laughs> silly, but yeah. <laughs> you wait till you're away and then you just go, Hi, right, I'm out of the country now. Then you tell your plan. But then also, another stupid plan planting evidence and then telling the lawyer that you planted uh, yeah. evidence. Never do that. So that's a bad idea. That. I'm assuming that's why he killed himself because he knew, Oh, someone could tell on me now and I'm yeah. done. So uh, he just killed himself. He's but like, also, he was got out of the film, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's, that's my biggies. I've not really got that many awards uh, in this one. I went for best actor, Anthony Hopkins. Like his weird accent nearly cost him it though. Except for me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but but uh, it was quite compelling. Um the best bad guy, I've gone for Ted. Like you want him to get caught and you get frustrated that he keeps just slipping through the cracks. So he's hands down the bad guy. Right. Um 
I agree with you in the best plan. Mine was the initial plan, though. Like, he did technically get away with attempted murder, but not murder. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, like, like I said, most pointless object, that weird ball motion thing, because it did nothing. <laughs> I thought... I, I thought I had like a bullet hidden in it, and I was so sure about it, but I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, because it seems to be, if you look around it, it's one of the major kind of images of the film. Is yeah. like it shows up all over the place. And it's like it's actually irrelevant. It's just, uh, I say, like Andy says about his planning, cool. meticulous planning and building and all that stuff. So. Uh, cool. Uh, on to point nine. Moral of the story: What the lessons have been learned, and uh, some sort of sentence out of that. Anyway, <laughs> on a haiku, which is what I'm waiting for. Uh, it's been teased recently. Never reveal the master plan to the good guy at any point ever <laughs> is the moral of the story in the form of a haiku. Chris, what's your moral of the story? Uh, yeah, shooting your partner in the face is not an alternative for divorce. <laughs> <laughs> and Andy? Lawyer up, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Don't DIY. <is> <laughs> uh, on to point 10. 10 points podcast. Point 10 is a 10 point rating where we rate the movie out of 10 points. Follow. Uh, Chris, you picked it. You get to go first. What is your rating for Fracture? Um, I think it's a really good courtroom thriller. Like, I love the cat and mouse thing that uh, Ryan Gosling and Anthony Hopkins had going. It's got a sprinkling of humour like, just at the right moments just to kind of alleviate some of the tension. And Like I said, it doesn't need that love story between uh, what Willie and, I don't know her name, Rosamund Pike. Um, like, they could have just left that as Aye. a future boss and could have gone with it. Get out of the film. And, and uh, Anthony Hopkins, like, forever changing accent does distract you a little bit, but not enough to, like, think of me. But, like I said, I still enjoyed it, and I'd give it a seven. Seven from Christopher. Uh, Andy, you've seen it before, so why don't you give it a full Sunday name, yeah? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, kind of the same as Chris, but the problem I have with this film is there's a million and one better versions of this film. Uh, Anthony Hopkins kind of does save it, but I hate Ryan Gosling. I hate Rosamund Pike. Uh <sighs> I do like the story, but it needs to have a finish for me. I like I like a finish, and that didn't really finish to me. I want to see if that gun planted like is fracture two or whatever. Uh, so it, it can so, only yeah, as a sequel, that's not a finish. <laughs> aye, uh, it can it can only get, it can only just scrape a three for me. A three, a scrape three from Andrew. Uh, and I'll go third. Never seen it before. My first viewing, and I feel that Hopkins versus Gosling. The scenes are the only highlights really it's the only bits i would never watch this again it's it's turn on the tv oh it's the two of them in a scene together otherwise i might not bother the problem i had was i saw the big reveal of the gun switcheroo coming from the absolute get-go so it really took it down for me so it makes everyone who's trying to find that look stupid mm. <laughs> um that whole lawyer sideline storyline slows the film down the film's a wee bit longer than it used to be take 20 minutes off of it i complain a lot about films being a wee bit too long this is another one that has a chunk that's not you know what's 20 minutes in this rosemond pike exactly (laughs) Exactly. so get rid of her get rid of that whole storyline just have him try to catch him and it means i can only go to a four i'm afraid the 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 the, the, my low points at the end of the at the end of the film massively not massively outweighed the high points uh, like five to sorry six to four, so I was like, eh, it needs to be quite low. So yeah, I'm only giving it a four out of ten from me, which means it's that. Which means I think the official ten point podcast rating is a five by my maths. I think Chris's seven gives it a massive weighting mm. up the way. So I think it's a five out of ten for Fracture. Um, any final words on the word the one film Fracture or is that us? <laughs> That was uh, Chris's Best of British uh, this season. Of That's... course. That brings Best of British to an end. Uh... Oh, I was going to list all the actors I had, but I can't remember them. I had, well, like, three English people, two Welsh, one Irish. I'll tell you what you did prove. Uh... The Best of British do do shit films. Mm, yeah. That's what you've definitely <laughs> proven this, this season. Uh, Imagineering of Dodge Parnassus, that was awful. That was god awful. Oh, I oh, apologise wholeheartedly oh. for that. that but there was one... My Best of British did get our first ten, though. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. to have yeah. one English actor in it. That's a good point. Two, actually. That <laughs> ah, was filmed in Britain, so there was that as well. There so, you go. Uh, but yeah, uh, Best of British was a success. Uh, I think, with the exception of maybe Alien, I hadn't seen many of the ones you picked before. Oh, the Mummy I had seen as well, of course. But uh, uh, a good little theme, Chris, and it was a good storyline running throughout. I think most of them were <laughs> at least act, like, award winners or nominees, so yeah. that's my plan. So there you go. And of course, there was Grimsby as well. Uh, oh, fuck yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, on to Andy and his yet, 
yet to be completely nailed down to the iota of specific specificities what that he wants. His children themed movies uh, are continuing with his next pick, which is his final pick of the season. So, Andy, what are we watching next? Time? Right, strap in. You're in for a proper uh, banger here. Uh, it's a it's a film that doesn't need an introduction, so I'm going to give you an introduction. Yep. Uh, we're going to take you back to when did this film come out? 1985. 80s again. I was born in 1985. So there you go. 1985. It fits perfectly in with my theme. It is the Goonies. Ah, oh, there we go. That's a movie. That is a movie from my childhood. That is. Uh... I want to see if it's, it's aged. Uh, I've not seen it in about 15 years. I believe in my last viewing, I found that it had aged. So, uh, <laughs> things often go up and down on my viewings. So yeah, I may... Now Chris is trying to work out my theme, though. Is your theme kids being kidnapped? No. <laughs> oh, because, and look who's talking, Mikey gets kidnapped. Yeah, George or... Walter steals the yeah. movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but, um, what do you call the thing get kidnapped? Unless you class her as a kid from uh, Little Shop of Horrors. Good point. Well, uh, f- uh, yeah, the plant. And I don't think anybody, a woman gets kidnapped in City Slickers, but no, no, kidnapping is not my oh, theme. Bugger. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. Well, we've got a week to think about it. How the how the Goonies hunts in uh, <laughs> to the to the theme, uh, and that's it. Uh, the Goonies next week's movie. So you'll have seven days to find the Goonies and watch it, and then we'll find you next week on the Ten Point Podcast. Mona Scotland. <laughs>